This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on for another program, Thursday, the 9th of May, 2019. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show to follow. So, uh, well, here we are, into the month of May. A good deal into it, anyway. Hope it's a pleasant one. May is always a great month, in my opinion, anyway. The, you know, the weather is getting really good across most of, uh, most of the country, anyway. You still have some inclement weather here and there, but at least the very pleasant, good temperatures are, uh, for the most part, upon us. So, hope things are going well for you, wherever you may be. Wherever that is, just hope you're doing well. Alright, well, first and foremost, uh, we're just going to get into how things were over the last week. Then I have a little bit of a topic. And uh, then we just have our uh, our usual listener-suggested topics coming up. This last week was, uh, you know, it was an interesting one for the YouTube channel. And I'm sure most of you listening do know, though, for those of you tuned in on the radio or you're just finding this for the first time. I do a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the report of the week. And I mean, that's what I do for the most part, make videos on it. It goes out to 1.3 million uh, subscribers, so it certainly it has its following. But it's always interesting the way YouTube works. You know, the way their algorithm is. Uh, because it's it's kind of funny, where sometimes you upload a video... And you think that it'll do really well. I remember uh, over the last week, I really uploaded two videos, and they had drastically different outcomes. And the first video that I uploaded, uh, I was, you know, I was proud of it. And there's really not too many videos I could even say that about anymore with the YouTube channel. You know, that you really have a good feeling about it, uh, that you know, you you enjoyed making it, and you just, you, you got a good feeling about this. Like, you look at it, and you think, you know what? I feel that I did a good job on it. And it was one of those videos. There was a, there was a video that I did. It was responding to questions from uh, viewers. And I just really liked it. I was, I was very happy with it. And what happens? Well, I upload it. I publish it. And uh, then it gets demonetized for no reason whatsoever. Suppressed in the search and just completely killed. Had no chance. As soon as it was uploaded, it was it was dead on arrival for no reason. I, mean, I even spoke to people who, who work at YouTube and they even said there were no... Uh, there was nothing in the video which infringed upon the system. It was just a false positive. And though it was, you know the monetization was brought back, when something is demonetized, it's not like it's just... It, it, you know, it's not like the ads are taken away and that's it. Uh, the video is dead. It will never do well in the search, and it will never get any traction because it is intentionally suppressed by the system, uh, which is made, you know, to, to you know, bring away, take away the bad stuff. But of course, if something is marked as a false positive... Even if it's corrected, from my own observations, it never fully is. 
and it just won't do well. That's how it is. So that was a bit of a bummer, because that was a video that I had a really good feeling about. It is what it is, right? You win some, you lose some. Well, then it was funny. So a few days later, I was getting all of these requests uh, to do a different video. So I thought to myself, okay, well, a lot of people apparently want to see this, so I'll do it. So the next video that I made was in regards to this one other YouTuber who goes by the name iDubbs. That's I-D-U-B-B-B-S, iDubbs. Now, he's, uh, I mean, he's good. He's got a very interesting style. He's a, uh, he's a comedy channel. Anyway, I, I've always liked his stuff, but nonetheless. So, he did this video, and I should say, to begin with, he is a very large YouTuber. He has a, a channel with a very large following, best way to put it. And he did a video recently where he took all of the major fast food chains. So, I mean, you name it, all of the, the chains, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Chick-fil-A, etc., etc. You, you know, you can't forget um, Jack in the Box, In-N-Out Burger, and so on. And he put them on this chart, and he just ranked them really from what he felt was best to worst. Well, anyway, because I do these food reviews, I was getting lots of requests from people that were saying, hey, could, uh, could you kind of do your own take on this? Could you uh, give it a shot? So I went ahead and I did it. And I, I, I try to make the video lighthearted. It is funny, though, how, uh, oh, how contentious a topic fast food is. Just because you say someone else's uh, favorite burger chain isn't my favorite. Oh, man, you could forget it. People were, uh, you should have seen the reactions to it anyway. Uh, if, if you thought it was actually possible to get uh, numerous death threats over a burger chain, uh, it's true. Happened over the last week, but that's irrelevant. Just a point. But anyway, so I do this video, and uh, I'm, I'm ranking these fast food chains. So I edit it together, put it up, upload it, you know, get it to YouTube. And I, uh, I scheduled the release. I made sure that it was okay. It was, you know, hopefully acceptable, good enough, ready to go. And I was getting tired, so I just... I set the video on a timer and went to sleep. Alright, so a few hours after the release, I wake up, I had my nap, and I see how well it's doing, and I'm shocked. I mean, I am... I'm taken back, in a good way, mind you. Where the video has hundreds of thousands of views, most of the time it'll never get that many views so quickly. And uh, sure enough, the video got tons of attention. It got on what they call the trending page on YouTube up close to the top. So it was shown to pretty much anyone that uses YouTube in the uh, United States, which is a huge number of people, granted. And over time, uh, the video over the last few days got well over a million views, close to two million. So that was incredible to, uh, to see. And it's happened before, mind you. It has happened, you know, 
a good number of times over the years. But it's always crazy, because the funniest thing is when I make these videos, I never do it with any sort of intention as to where it's going to end up. You know, I, I make the video to make the video. And if it's requested by the, the viewers, the listeners, so on, then that's what it is. So it always it always is funny when I see that this video gets all of this traction, all of this attention. Because it's just so unexpected, that's the best way to put it. I'm always I'm always equally surprised every single time where I just I, I, I never expect it to, to get the attention that it does. But anyway. It it always is funny though, you see this influx of uh, new people that find the video and oh you, you want to talk about opening the floodgates uh, because they get opened right there and you oh you look at the comments that come in and you see everything under the sun but you get used to it you know you take it with a grain of salt and that's where it stands but like i like i alluded to earlier you see some uh, uh some select select pieces of correspondence that uh are always very much out there. Not necessarily in a good way at that. But anyway, one funny thing to mention, and I just found it interesting, because I like looking at analytics and numbers and statistics. I was never the best in the mathematical sense fully with statistics. I think it was just due to, you know, lapses in, in preparation, and of course it was at my own fault, but... If I give it another go, maybe it'll be better, but nonetheless, at the very basic level, anyway. I, I enjoy looking at these numbers and statistics and so forth. And it was interesting to see, because in the videos, I sometimes promote my merchandise. You know, T-shirts, all of that stuff, the usual. And having done so, of the... It, let's just say 1.8 million people that saw the video. There were three sales in total. I just find it kind of funny. Like, could you imagine running a store? And you have the storefront set up. And over the course of like a day or two days, you have close to 2 million people either walk through or pass by your store, and three of them make a purchase. I mean, that sounds like it's it's so crazy, but that's what happens in the digital world. Uh, very few people really go ahead and actually, you know, go ahead and, and prescribe to a call to action. Meaning, if you tell someone to do something, or check something out, or go here, or do this, a very, very minute percentage will actually go ahead and do it. And it's not that I was expecting anything more, I just found it to be an interesting observation worth bringing up. And that you have all these people that check something out, yet so few actually follow any direct call to action. Uh, but again, these are all people that are very unfamiliar with the content itself. It's always different when it comes down to people who perhaps are more familiar and, and so on. It's a very specific thing, but interesting nonetheless. I guess I should say, since since I mentioned it, right, may as well. If you are interested in getting any merchandise, you can find it at teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. That's teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. 
This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. You can contact me. Correspondence and Reception Reports, VORWINFO at gmail.com. VORWINFO at gmail.com. Ah, uh, yes. Insomnia. Yeah. I mentioned it last program and maybe the one before that. You know, this last week I've been sleeping pretty well. For the most part, anyway. Uh, of course, with the notable exception being last night. Ever so conveniently, right before I go ahead and record this broadcast. I've been catching up on sleep. I have. And I was getting eight, nine hours sleep. I think there was one night I even slept for 12 hours, believe it or not. And then what happens? All right, I get ready for sleep. I'm comfortable. I'm getting tired. All right. You know, I was uh, with my lopsided sleep schedule. I was getting tired at around maybe 10 a.m. We'll go for 10 a.m. I was even looking, I was looking at this website that calculates the sleep cycles and estimates how, how long I should sleep on a, on a good night. So, I was anticipating waking up perhaps at around, oh, maybe 6 or 7 p.m. and getting another solid 8-9 hours sleep. Well, I'm up at 2 p.m. Four hours of sleep, maybe three and a half. And I couldn't fall back asleep, so I was up, running again on, no, not quite empty, but closer to it anyway than full. And it's always interesting, because it's never my intention not to sleep for a while. I enjoy a good sleep. Sleep is one of those very relaxing things. It's a good way to let your mind, your body cool down. One, one thing that I'll sometimes do, look, if your mind is going through a rough patch, if it's... Uh, if you're just filled with the negativity, sometimes the best thing to do is to go to sleep, rest for a while, and it gives your mind that much-needed break. Same thing if you're dealing with either uh, anxiety, just ne negativity overall. Sometimes one of the best ways to combat it anyway is to literally press that, you know, shut-off switch in your mind, and when you wake up, you might be in a, a very different mindset having this natural break which may not come about in any other way. So, I mean, I enjoy sleep. Sometimes the dreams can always be fun, they can be interesting. Sometimes they're bad, <laughs> is what it is. It's always a, always a crapshoot, but sometimes you can get some, some really good dreams, too. Uh, but overall, I like sleep. It's very refreshing. And, you know, it's just the funniest thing, where sometimes either you struggle to get to sleep, oh, you toss, you turn can't get comfortable, you're too warm, then you're too cold, the blankets feel like they're too itchy, they're too scratchy, maybe you're, you know, you just can't get comfortable. And even if you are comfortable, you can't get in the right mindset, or you just can't fall asleep, and you sit there with your eyes closed, then you sit there with them open, then you're getting ready to fall asleep, but then you need to get a drink of water, or you need to use the bathroom, and you could just, you never can get there. The same type of deal, maybe you can actually fall asleep, then you wake up, and then you can't get back to sleep. So much fun it is, but at least I got some sleep. Something is better than nothing, 
always the case. For the most part, anyway. At least I haven't been too much of a groggy mess today, which is good. In the background, perhaps you can hear some of the birds waking up for the day. And, uh... The morning, the morning chorus, because I am recording this one at an interesting time, at least this segment anyway, 6.01 a.m., the 9th of May 2019, so all the birds are starting to wake up, hopefully they had a, a good rest. But anyway, on one last note, before we uh, get to some of your editorials and shout-outs and uh, questions and topic suggestions and everything in between... One interesting little philosophical tidbit, and I really want to ask this as a question because I want your response. It's really interesting when there is a question to be asked, because I like hearing from you, and then the next week I'm going to read a bunch of your responses to it, because it's interesting to see a broad spectrum of analysis, commentary, and feedback, because it's a means of perspective. You might not agree with everything, you might not agree with some of the viewpoints, but it's important to be open-minded and experience those different things, be exposed to those new viewpoints, because some of them you might say, yeah, you know, (laughs) I am not feeling this. Whereas others, you might think to yourself, you know what, maybe this, maybe this kind of makes sense. Maybe it makes more sense than what I've been going with. But anyway, so I'm going to ask a question. It's a philosophical one. And then I ask for your responses. Get back to me. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com And uh, we're going to get to them in the next show. So if you want to have your opinion heard on the air to many, many people, this is the time to do it. All right, so contact address V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com This isn't a yes or no question. It's completely open-ended, and it's all a matter of perspective. Here it is. Would things get better or worse if humans focused on what was going well rather than what's going wrong? Okay? It's kind of like a glass, half-empty, half-full type of deal. So do you think, overall, you know, as a... uh, in its entirety, in, in, in regards to humanity. Do you think things would get better or worse going forward if people collectively looked at things more as a, a glass-half-full type of view rather than a glass-half-empty? So let's say we looked at the world's problems more optimistically. Well, you know, things are... Uh, you know, look at how things are, are, are doing good compared to how they were, uh, you know, whatever. However many years ago. Look at how things have advanced. Things are, are doing great in this, that, and the other thing. And we focus on things with that type of mindset rather than, oh, you know, things are going down the tubes. This is broken. That's broken. That's wrong. With the mindset, in general, anyway, lead us to better things? What's your thought? If just, if, and this is one of those philosophical things that'll never happen, but it's, it's, it's interesting food for thought. It's the best way to put it. If everyone's mindset was suddenly, oh, you know, look at the bright side, a uh, glass half full type of mindset, that, that complete optimism, would we advance further as a human race? Or would we reach a standstill 
and would perhaps that optimism block out the issues that we need to combat and we would actually regress. What do you think would happen? V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com It's not proper to ask a question like that without giving my own response, so here goes. I was thinking about that earlier. I mean, I truly think the only way this could truly be done is, of course, to have the balance of the two. Optimism is important. You need it. You need to have that positivity in life. But at the same time, it cannot be so much so that it blocks out the reality of things. Because you need to understand the issues, where things are wrong, so that they can be fixed, improved, and be averted going forward. And once that's done, then it's good to have that positivity. It's good to say, look, we fixed this, we got that taken care of, and uh, if there was a perfect balance of the two, then I think we would really really start, you would see things start moving. But in the meantime, one usually cancels the other out, and usually it's negativity, because it's, it's a very potent emotion. It, it breeds off of itself, it feeds off of others, it's like a disease, it could be cancerous in a way. It's important, but in too large a quantity, it is, it is terrible. And I think that gets the best of so many people, so often a time. Now, in the direct means of the question, all right, let's say we had to just focus on one thing or the other. If you're listening in right now, make sure you check out our friends over at booksbegone19.com. That's B-O-O-K-S-B-G-O-N-E-19.com. Booksbegone19.com. We pay cash for used books. Turn your used books into cash. We offer non-obligation cash offers for the following types of books. Religious books, textbooks and reference books, history books, and other non-fiction type books. Turn those books you no longer need into some extra cash today. Check out booksbegone19.com. That's booksbegone19.com. I would cautiously hope that things would get better. But at the same time, if we only focused on what was going well rather than what's wrong, can we truly be able to combat those issues that face us today? Or would complacency get the best of us? See, that's a thing. I would be very cautiously optimistic. I would hope that that optimistic attitude would be able to lead to progress. But part of me thinks that it would just kind of end up in a rut. And we would be so complacent that it would just stall out and we might not be better off. As I said, in an ideal world, I think there needs to be that balance of the two. It's good to have optimism and it's good to have that positivity, but it is also important to be able to look at the issues, look at what's wrong, in order to see what the issues are, see what the problems are, and then be able to combat them or deal with them accordingly. VORW International. Coming up next is the second portion of the program where we take a look at the listener correspondence. So, like I did say earlier, this is the second half of the program right now, and uh, in it we will just be getting to a good number of your questions and topic suggestions. Now, the contract, the contact, I shouldn't say contract, the contact email address has been repeated. 
a good number of times, and I will repeat it again later on in the program. Now, one last thing that I do need to mention, of course. This broadcast is listener-funded. The only way to keep it going is with a donation of any size and shape. It is you, the listener, that supports this broadcast and helps keep it going each and every week. Support it if you can. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com via PayPal via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Likewise, if you would like to advertise on this program, contact me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com with your offer. I will try my best to work with you. One thing to remember, of course, really the only stipulation is, of course, as with any business transaction, you need to pay for the advertising before any ads are aired. Um, you know, the other week there were a couple people that contacted me, and they wanted me to air their advertisement without paying anything, and that's unfortunately, that's not how advertising works. It's the only thing to it. You just have to pay in advance, which is really self-explanatory, and then everything is good. Everything everything will be okay. Well, first and foremost, as uh, I, I didn't do this in the last show, but I'll do it this one. I'll make up for the big, the big loss. Uh, I want to do give a few shout-outs uh, to Brian over in Singer Island, Florida, Jerry in Taiwan, Paul in El Paso, Texas, Darren in Fox River Grove, Illinois, El in California, uh, a few shortwave listeners, Hunter in Palm Springs, California, listening in on 5850, Mac in Milton, Ontario, tuned in on 5850, and Doug in Georgia, regular listener, also on 5850 kHz shortwave. Now, before anything else, I have two listener comments that I want to read. Uh, Now, both of these are in regards to the topic in last week's program, uh, that being apathy in society, you know, lack of caring, and so on. Uh, So the first one is from Andrea in West Virginia. Uh, She's a regular listener, and uh, she had the following to say. She said, I was reading through Michael Malice's Twitter feed yesterday and came upon a tweet that I just had to tell you about as it was so similar to your experience on the highway you talked about in your podcast. He tweeted about being at a restaurant, and while he was eating, he began choking and no one would help him. He had a live stream and went into further detail about it, Uh, saying that he even had his hands up to his neck in in the universal sign that you're suffocating, and tried to tell people around him that he was choking, but everyone sat there and looked at him, and no one did a thing. He had to give himself the Heimlich maneuver. He said it was just like the people's eyes were empty or dead, and that it didn't register to them that someone needed their help. Thankfully, he survived to tell about it, but sadly, not because anyone helped him. It's a sorry state of affairs when someone can just sit there and continue eating while a person beside them is choking and could possibly die. As he told about it, he said how angry, even still, it made him feel. It does just seem that people don't care about others as long as they're doing okay. That's all that matters to them. And yes, you know, those are my uh, those are my thoughts on it. I think a lot of people have this this feeling, to a certain extent, where as long as they're okay, that's all that matters. Now, if 
they themselves need help, let's say if they found themselves choking, uh, they would be just as stricken. Uh, I don't think they would really think, oh, you know, forget it, I'm just going to do the Heimlich maneuver on myself, and that'll be that. Uh, I think people would want other people to help them, but, you know, it's uh, it's such a deep-rooted issue. That's the problem about it all. Now, likewise, we have a contrary viewpoint from Zach in Israel, who says, While I agree that we are living in a society which becomes more and more about me, and people are just staring at their phones and don't care about others, I still think that sometimes it's not that people do not care, maybe they're just afraid. Uh, for instance, I would be pretty scared if someone in the middle of the street would ask me to have a phone call and might steal my device, or to stop in the middle of the night and help someone with a flat tire, like your example. Also, when you walk in major cities like New York, you get lots of scammers trying to trick you. So basically, what I'd like to say is that it's not that people don't care. It's just that we're hearing all the time about so many scams and bad things going on, so people are just too afraid to help and won't take the risk. Now, it's an interesting viewpoint, Zach, and, I mean, I think there is some truth to that. Of course, there are lots of people that'll try to take advantage of um, you or, or your situation or someone who has good nature. You know, there'll be people that will take advantage of that, unfortunately. Coming up next, we will be going to the listener topic suggestions. Again, if you would like to suggest a topic you would like to hear me talk about, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the address to do it. So our first topic comes from Mostafa in Egypt. He said he actually, he, he lived in Cairo, Egypt, and now resides, I think, in New York City. Uh, but anyway, he had an interesting question, one that I don't, I don't know if I've ever gotten asked before, but I'll talk about it for a minute. And he just wanted to know, he said, do you have any listeners in Egypt? And, uh, you know, there are. There are people in Egypt that are tuned in, believe it or not. Uh, I was checking through the records after you asked the question, and uh, recently we have heard from listeners over in Egypt. Uh, there was uh, someone who was tuned in in Alexandria, Egypt, and listening in on the shortwave. Uh, there was someone in the Egyptian Armed Forces who's a listener. Uh, and then we got multiple emails from Cairo. Uh, one person even said that he isn't the only listener there, but actually a lot of his friends tune in as well. So uh, you, you do have fellow Egyptian listeners out there uh, who definitely are tuned in. It might not be the most people in the world, but I would, I would be sure to say that there are people over in Egypt that are tuned in. So uh, definitely uh, both online and over the airwaves. So you, you are not alone, and uh, there, are, there are plenty of people. There's probably more people than you think that are listening over there, to be honest. All right, now over to the, uh, the more detailed topic suggestions. Zachary... He's a, uh, he's a pretty long-time listener. I think he's over in Arkansas. And he says, My question is, what do you think about violence in the media? Specifically, how much is too much? The game Mortal Kombat 11 came out recently, and in one review someone criticized it on its violence 
even though that's its main sta uh, staple. So hence the question, how far do you think the media can go with blood and gore? You know, here's the thing. It, it's kind of funny. I mean, I want to point out a funny contradiction anyway. You know, where you... You know, it's just, it's funny how it is, right? Where when you see a video on the news that, let's say, is uh, from a shootout or something... Now, granted, in some cases, of course, this is to uh, respect the, the victim... And uh, I understand that, for the sake of decency and dignity. I, I can understand that, why it's censored out. Uh, but, you know, like, for instance, if someone gets shot, and even if it's not exceptionally gory, uh, they, they blur it out, they censor it. At least that's how it is in the United States, for the most part. Yet, at the same time, you'll have television shows, oh, that will show the most... Uh, vile, disgusting things, but because it's fake, even though it is extremely realistic, it's fake, it's Hollywood, so showing someone's, and let's not even go there, but you name it, pretty much any disgusting thing you could imagine, if as long as it's fake and it's special effects, then that's totally fine. Uh, but if you, you know, it, it's like, it gets to the point where it's so realistic, it is not even indistinguishable anymore. It's, you can't even tell it's fake, yet somehow that is acceptable to show. You know, it, it just, it's an odd contradiction, you know what I mean? So, it just strikes me as being odd. I guess that's, that's all I have to say. Where they have this, such a strong thing against any gore that is real. But if it's fake and extremely realistic and you can't even tell the difference, that is totally acceptable, and you can just go ahead and watch that to your heart's content. That's an odd thing. Now, people, I mean, they like it, all right? A lot of people are very bloodthirsty. Uh, I think that's just probably our carnal instincts coming out. But a lot of people like it. They like seeing that stuff. And that's, that's why that crap is so popular in so many TV shows and movies and games, you name it. So people like that stuff. I myself am heavily opposed to it. I think it's all disgusting, to be honest. I think it's... And, you know, that's my, that's my honest opinion. I have no intention of seeing any of that. However, knowing that most people like seeing that stuff, I'm not going to make any comments uh, any further on it just because again my opinion is not the mainstream one so that's where it stands i think what most of what you see is too much at this point i think it desensitizes us i think it dehumanizes us but again we're too far gone we're too far gone nothing you can do about it anymore so that's where that stands i think what's you know, I know it's not a nice thing to say, but I think it's the truth. I think we're just, we're past the point of no return. Uh, what's done is done. The damage is done. And that's all that there is to it. It's over. Going over to a few more topics. Uh, we have Jamie in Kansas. Uh, now, this listener wrote in uh, a while back, and, you know, with the spelling of the name, I went with the more ethnic pronunciation, but... I said, oh, it's just Jamie, so that's fine. We'll just go with that then. 
whatever, whatever works for you, whatever the real, the best pronunciation. So Jamie in Kansas says, I would love to hear your thoughts on Burger King's new Real Meals campaign for Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, I know you've had a lot to say in past podcasts and videos about both Burger King and mental health related topics. So is this, in your opinion, an innovative way to spread awareness and start conversation about mental health, or does it trivialize a serious subject matter by turning it into a publicity gimmick for commercial gains? Thank you, Jamie. Well, here's the thing. You know, it was interesting, I think it was two shows back, when I talked about the memes about, uh, you know, suicide and all of that, uh, the response was interesting. We had some people that said, yeah, you know, I I agree, I think making light of something like that isn't the best thing to do, uh, whereas uh, some people, especially some, some young people, said that it actually is a coping mechanism, believe it or not. Uh, that I guess kind of, you know, uh, maybe in, in some people's eyes it may be unorthodox, but maybe it's what works for them. Uh, this means of, of joking and uh, trivializing it, and maybe even undermining the seriousness, is actually a way that is able to help people out, and help people deal with it. And it might not make very much sense to me, but I'm not going to question what works for other people. What I always figure is, look, if it works for you, it works for you. Uh, and then, you know, you're, you're obviously you're doing something right if it's it's really helping helping you out, helping your well-being. So, with that realization having been made, I think that the real meals campaign, uh, despite reserved exclusively to personal opinion, not fact. I I think it's a gimmick. I think it's kind of uh, the way the way Burger King is trying to appeal to millennials and, and uh, uh, Zoomers, and you know trying to trying to use that type of, of meme that I, I was talking about a few programs back as a way to sell more burgers. It's, that's what I think that they're really truly doing. I don't think that they have any intention on using a fast food restaurant as a platform for mental health. However, despite it being an advertising strategy, I think that it may very well be an opportunity, maybe not to help out a large portion of people, but it may very well be a way that it can assist certain people. And even if it helps out a small number of people, and everyone else kind of just ignores it or thinks that it's just a marketing gimmick, it's still helping out more people than it was before. So we can't forget that. So who is to say, really? Because it might be a way to, in a sense, maybe be more inclusive to, to some individuals who are going through those difficult times. Uh, maybe they think, you know, this is still a way that at least, at least they're acknowledging the fact that I might be going through something bad, that I might be going through some difficult times that I just might not be happy all the time. So in the end, I don't think that there is anything wrong with it. It's an advertising campaign. We have to remember that first and foremost. But like I said, if it is a way to perhaps bring about some awareness to something, uh, especially just through something harmless like fast food, there's no reason to get any sort of torches and pitchforks and, you know, go against them. 
uh, like I said, if it helps even a small number of people, then I think they're doing the right thing. So that's my opinion there. That's my two cents. And thank you for bringing it up. Well, keeping it in the world of food, we go over to a listener who goes by the handle Practical Puzzles, who says, There is something that bugged me about your early days when you did fast food reviews. You never seemed to visit local mom-and-pop restaurants. Don't you think about how much local food stops are destroyed by fast food, gas station food, and so on? Well, now here's what I have to say about that. Just because I didn't review local places doesn't mean I didn't support them. As a matter of fact, like you said, in the early days, when I was mostly in New York, I I went to local places. I would support the local mom-and-pop restaurants, local grocers, local farmers markets, local restaurants, you name it. I would go to all the mom-and-pop places, local diners, you name it. So, of course, I supported them. I support all the local small businesses. The reason just why I didn't do anything on the YouTube, and I mentioned this a long time ago back in the CNN interview. That was in 2016, but it still holds true. Where what works for food reviews, for the most part, is mass appeal. And let's face it, everyone knows what McDonald's is, Burger King, and so on. You know, how many people know about Joe's Pizzeria, you know, that's a mile down the street? And, you know, that right there might seem, though, uh, that it is grounds, therefore, to go and do a video even more so. You might be saying, well, see, a lot of people don't know about it, but if you do a video, then they would. Well, I mean, that's partially true. Uh, the one thing that maybe one day I will do going forward is maybe I will do a series where I kind of focus on some smaller places, you know, some more local uh, hometown businesses. That might be that might be a good idea, and it's kind of a way to you know, help out the help out the the aspiring places and the, the you know the fast food or just the restaurants that aren't as big as, of course, the giant chains that I usually try out. Uh, but the main premise of the reviews was to just review the big fast food places and their new releases. Uh, again, such as McDonald's or Burger King or Pizza Hut or, uh, you know, Taco Bell and so on. Though I do remember, and it was kind of sad, in 2017 I made a video where I was talking about bagels. And it got, you know, 100,000 or something views. So people saw it and people watched it. And in the video, I mentioned this one place in New York, uh, where I was saying, you know, the, the best bagels I've ever had were at this one del- deli in New York that was called Zimmy Bagels. And I talked about it, and I really, I mean, I gave them praise. And I don't think one single person in the entire video, at least publicly, even acknowledged the place. And I felt it was kind of sad, you know, that I was trying to shout out this local business, and no one cared. And that was the disappointing thing. But of course, you know, you do have major shows on Food Network and Travel Channel and all that, which try to focus more on the smaller places. Uh, So, I mean, that might be something that I'll try to focus on going forward. 
but thank you for your question and your suggestion. It certainly has been taken. Uh, going over to a different subject, Warren over in Anaheim, California, said, I absolutely adore your style, and I was wondering uh, if you follow or look at photos from the Met Gala. The new pictures came out, and I would like to know your thoughts. Well, obviously, the one thing you just have to remember about the Met Gala is that, you know, there's certain things that I realize also at this point that you have to look at a certain way. For instance, the Met Gala is a very formal event, but at the same time, it combines fashion into it. So looking at it from a traditionalist standpoint. So let's say all you like are tuxedos or white tie and all of that. Uh, then if you look at what people were wearing at the Met Gala, and I did see the pictures, I saw what everyone was wearing, uh, then you would be very, oh, you would be so disappointed, you would be appalled, you would hate every outfit. But as a result, you have to look at it from the standpoint of all of the creativity that went into it. Uh, the fact that what you're seeing Yes, while some of it might look silly, and it might look uh, very costumey, that's the whole point. It's all about thinking outside the box. You know, being out there, and looking at it that way, from the point of originality. That's really what fashion is about. So from that point of view, there were lots of very interesting, uh, very interesting outfits that you saw being worn, and of course, I think some certainly looked better than others, but overall, I, I liked it all. And that's why I like the Met Gala, because, again, it's not the same old, same old. You see some very interesting things. Unfortunately, I don't have the pictures in front of me right now. If you're listening, it's something, if you're interested in it, I recommend you check it out. And you're going to see some outfits that you're going to think to yourself, what the heck are they wearing? You know, I think that looks crazy. Um, whereas you're going to see other things, and number one, you have to realize, I mean, again, that's pretty much the point. And secondly, there's going to be some outfits that you got to look and you got to kind of see past some of the absurdity and say to yourself, hey, you know what, still, that's, that's pretty ingenious, and that's, I think that still looks pretty neat, you know, I think it still looks pretty cool. Uh, but that's what it's all about, but absolutely, I think it's always pretty fun to look at and just see what everyone, everyone has on. And you just can't judge that type of stuff by the existing fashion standards. You can't look at it and say, well, I don't see that being in accordance with a black tie and so on. If you look at it by that, none of it is. So you cannot look at it with that traditionalist standpoint. Now, if you were looking at some place, uh, let's say some sort of uh, very formal royal event, or some sort of extremely formal opera or something, where everyone, you know, it's, it's much more formal. You know, something along the lines of the infamous uh, White House Correspondence Dinner. Yeah, then you can look, look at that a lot more, all right, is, is this, you know, how are these suits looking and so on and so forth. So it all depends on the event. Thank you for your question. So our next topic comes from Audrey, who is a student. She says, the high school that I went to has a lot of issues, mainly regarding drugs, bullying, 
and fighting. Now previously, if students broke into fights, teachers would try to break it up. However, they now have a new policy where teachers are not supposed to intervene if there is a fight, and I'm curious to know your opinion on this. The policy applies to the entire district. Recently, a huge fight broke out in the middle school. A kid was being badly bullied, was jumped by a group of boys, and was severely injured. Uh, They punched him several times while he didn't do anything. Teachers were watching but didn't step in. Personally, I'm conflicted on the subject, and this seems to be a new policy that schools are instituting. I mean, that sounds crazy. Uh, The big question that comes to mind immediately, so who's supposed to break it up then? You know, who, who, who is, who's supposed to do it? Is there a school resource officer? Is he or she supposed to, to break up the fights now? You know, I, it doesn't make any sense. Granted, it, it should not be the teacher's responsibility to be a teacher and a security guard at the same time. However, it comes down to common sense. Of course, when on school grounds, I think it is the responsibility of the school district and its employees to make sure that the well-being of the students is preserved while they are on school grounds. And that should mean mentally, also physically. If that's the case, so if they cannot intervene, if a student is being physically assaulted, then how about they just take it a step further and don't intervene anymore if a student is being attacked mentally and verbally through the form of bullying, right? If it's not their responsibility to break up a physical fight, then why is it their responsibility to go ahead and prevent bullying anymore? Let them get bullied, right? Because that's what that logic seems to to shout out to me. I think it's totally absurd. I think it's ridiculous. And that's not to say that the teachers need to go ahead and body slam the students down the WWE style if there's a fight going on. No, not at all. But I think it is their responsibility if they are physically able to. Now, again, that's something like if if there's, uh, you know, a a frail 80-year-old who is a substitute teacher or something, uh, yeah, I I would not expect him or her to to go and jump into the middle of this big brawl because that just won't work out very well. But if they are able to, and it's bad, I think sometimes the best thing to do is to just uh, separate people. That's all that it takes. And then if they need you know, more help, then let the security and the resource officers, uh, you know, do more of the the so-called heavy lifting. But I think if there's a fight, it's their responsibility to do what they can to stop it, not just sit there and watch. You know, I can't even imagine how that kid's parents must feel if their kid was badly injured in this fight and the school district staff didn't do a single damn thing to stop it 
because of their new policy. That's that's ridiculous. I don't think, I don't think that's the case. Two last uh, topic suggestions coming up. Uh, one is more of a suggestion than a question from Alicia, who says, "Excellent work on your latest video and ranking." And this is in regards to the iDubs uh, response. Professionally executed and very entertaining. If you're feeling more of that, in addition to philosophical topics, you might, or might you include in your Thursday podcast uh, some of the other joints that were not available in the YouTube app. Uh, I am thinking mainly Starbucks for sure, uh, regional barbecue places, uh, a couple outliers such as Krispy Kreme, uh, Denny's, uh, you know, some of the bagel places, and so on and so forth. And that's interesting that you bring that up. You know, the one thing, as, as I was making the video for the YouTube, the one thing I was wishing is that there was, like, a... And, of course, there was only so much space on this chart. But I was wishing that there was that ability to have more space there so that these places could be included, such as Starbucks and uh, Krispy Kreme, and Denny's, and Sonny's Barbecue, and Bojangles, and, you know, the list can go on and on. Uh, But, I mean, maybe one day I will do another one of these charts, perhaps, and I'll certainly take the idea into consideration uh, that maybe I will be able to find one, or even, if I have the time, make a better one that has more variety and more options. So, very interesting and certainly something I'll consider. And finally, final topic is from Becky and Koki Hansen. If you were forced to take part in an adrenaline junkie activity... Oh, what a question. Which one would you choose and why? I'll give you a few examples. Bungee jumping, skydiving, going for land speed records on a motorcycle, mountain climbing. The world is your oyster. Oh, what a question. I mean, if if there was an answer that said none of the above, I would go for that. Uh, because obviously I am not an adrenaline junkie. Except for the fact that I don't wear a, uh, a pocket protector with the pens, so... Uh, but... I mean, let's just assume, right? Of course, there's no opting out I'm being forced uh, against, you know, for, for one reason or another. Let's just put it at that. So I have to do one of these activities. And let's just keep it limited to the ones you suggested. Uh, So we're left with bungee jumping, skydiving, going for land speed records on a motorcycle, or mountain climbing. Let's go for those four. I have to choose one of them. I'm going to go with whatever I think is the safest. So immediately, uh, the land speed record one is off the the table. That's not going to happen. Mountain climbing... I'm you know, I'm going to discount that one, too. Because before I went to sleep the other day, I was watching this video of this one guy that was on a mountain, and he had the GoPro, and he fell off of this cliff, I think 150 feet. And there was snow below him, and he fell this in free fall for seconds. And he survived. He didn't even have any broken bones or anything, which is incredible. All about, I guess, the way you land, but that stuff can happen... Yeah, I'm not going to go mountain climbing either. Bungee jumping or skydiving? I mean, I know bungee jumping is pretty safe for the most part, 
but you'd still have to worry about the rope breaking. And should anything bad happen, probably be very, very painful. Whereas with skydiving, most of the time the safety precautions are very thorough, very uh, significant. Uh, in many cases, there are other jumpers, not necessarily that'll be able to help you, but you never know. I usually have the main chute, you have the reserve one. Most of the time, they're always in working order. So I think the chances that something would go wrong with skydiving would probably be the slimmest. And should something go terribly wrong, you won't be able to make it out uh, to tell the tale. But it would, it would be instantaneous, which is always, which is good. So I don't know, I have no effort to do any of them. But if it were bungee jumping, it would have to be from a very reputable place. I knew was 100% safe. And if it were skydiving, I would want to make sure it was under the best circumstances possible. For all those of you listening, this is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Your questions, comments, pieces of feedback, and reception reports are appreciated. VORWINFO at gmail.com. And again, I hope I could get your answers to the question earlier in the program. Well, with that, I'm going to call it a night, and uh, I'm going to wrap up the program. Thank you for listening. Do take care, and we'll see you next week. This is VORW International.